listening to episode 25, chapter 1 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Winfield Bevins is an author, artist, and speaker whose passion is to help others connect to the roots of the Christian faith for discipleship and mission. He's the director of church planting at Asbury Theological Seminary, and he frequently speaks at conferences on a variety of topics and is a regular adjunct professor at several seminaries. Having grown up in a free church background, Winfield eventually found his spiritual home in the Anglican tradition but freely draws from wisdom from all church traditions. Having authored several books, his writings explore the convergence of liturgy, prayer, and mission. His latest book, Ever Ancient, Ever New, examines young adults who have embraced Christian liturgy and how it has impacted their lives. As an artist, Winfield is dedicated to connecting the church and the arts community. He is a visual artist who enjoys painting iconography, landscapes, and portraits. Over the past decade, he has helped start numerous arts initiatives, including a nonprofit art gallery and studio and an arts program in North Carolina. Have you heard that we are in the midst of a movement of spiritual renewal happening in the United States? For the last 40 years, young people have been turning to liturgical worship in order to find a deeper relationship with Jesus. Although some may think liturgical worship is outdated and repetitive, many are finding a new depth in their discipleship, one that is rooted in the history and community of the church. So this week, as we talk with Winfield Bevins, we want to explore why this movement has gained so much momentum and how liturgy can help us become more like Christ in our daily walk. All right, Winfield, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great being here with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really excited to talk with you today about a topic that I honestly don't know a lot about. I know a little bit, but I'm very interested in, and that is this idea of a liturgy. And you've written a book, Ever Ancient, Ever New, The Allure of Liturgy for a New Generation. And I thought a good place to start this conversation might be just to talk about how you came to faith and then how you found your way into liturgy yourself. And so you talk about the book that you grew up in a Baptist home, but were saved in a in a Pentecostal church. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and uh, how you found Christ. Yeah, that's, um, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version, because, you know, it could take a while, um, you know, sharing our story. But yeah, I grew up in a kind of a nominal Baptist home, uh, had, you know, had, had a grandmother, both of my grandmothers actually, you know, had talked to me about Jesus, Um you know, had had a faith and um, I think really prayed for me, kind of went through high school, kind of just lived a rebellious life. And I actually had a, a kind of a radical conversion experience. Um, I was at the age of 19. I was, I was really sitting. I was sitting on a rock at, on a lake in Knoxville, Tennessee. And it was like the best way to describe it is like the spirit of the Lord fell on me. I just knew that Christ was real. Um, I knew, I knew, I knew my life was a wreck and I needed God. And I just kind of, in my own way, accepted Christ there on that rock, began to follow the Lord, went to a friend of mine around that time had kind of 
come back to faith and invited me to his church. Turns out it was a Pentecostal church. Uh, again, really had a, had a real experience with God there, identified with what God was doing. Um, and so it was in a Pentecostal church where I was kind of formed in the first few years uh, being a believer there at a young age. Went to uh, Bible college, kind of answered the call to ministry, um, got involved in ministry and just uh, I'm bringing it to liturgy. So I'm going to try to be quick with some of these broad breaststrokes, but I got involved with planning churches, planted an independent church um, in Outer Banks, North Carolina, a bunch of surfers and um, something was just always missing uh, through throughout the faith journey. I mean, I had Jesus, I had the Bible, you know, a lot of evangelical and charismatic churches are like, hey, you, you know, you just need Jesus, you need your Bible, get filled with the Spirit, and man, you're good. And well, you know, when we look at 2,000 years of church history, there's formation, there's practices, there's traditions. There are things that the church has done to undergird the spiritual life and the growth of believers. And so here I was on an island. I had um, launched an interdenominational network of churches, was literally training church planners across the U.S., but really had this longing to kind of recover the historic roots of the faith in my own walk, um, just uh, the best way I could say that. I felt like I was missing a connection to the historic church, but also the broader Christian faith. And um, so through through a long story, um, some good friends of mine that uh, had planted a vineyard church became Anglican in Atlanta as a large church. And um, they really kind of played a key role in kind of my embracing kind of liturgy and tradition. And uh, so through long stories of events, kind of embraced church tradition and um, saw the beauty of that and began to identify um, other young people across the U.S. that were making similar journeys um, all across the United States. And so that kind of led to writing this book um, that, that you're featuring that we'll kind of be discussing today that kind of looks at this broader movement. Now, I think that movement actually represents something that God is doing in our day. I think it's a spiritual renewal that's where literally thousands are being drawn to recover um, ancient tradition. It is an interesting thing that's going on now, especially with the uh, the quote, the decline of the church that we see going on, and you know more and more young people um, leaving the church. But yeah, you're talking about there's a movement and a resurgence to find liturgical practices, and and it can really help sort of uh, pull us a pull us back deeper into the church roots. And so it is a fascinating subject, and I want to explore it a little bit more. I think maybe first though. Our audience may or may not be as familiar with uh, liturgy and what it is. Can we kind of define that first and yeah, before we move yeah, ahead? So what great. is liturgy? Um, well, liturgy literally comes from the Greek word liturgeo, which means work of the people. And so liturgy is essentially kind of a structured form of worship where there's kind of call and response, where everyone plays a role. If you think of worship, um, as kind of something that we all do together. It's the worship of God. Uh, liturgical worship really kind of, it invites everyone in the church to participate. Every church has a liturgy. Every church has a liturgy. You know, the 
three songs, the sermon, an altar call, that's a liturgy, you know, whether it's Pentecostal, Baptist, Methodist. The problem is some churches have bad liturgies, right? And and so uh, when I use the term liturgy, I, I refer to kind of the historic patterns of worship and in ways in which Christians have worshiped for 2,000 years. And so the majority of Christians throughout the history of the church have been liturgical Christians. And so these are patterns and rhythms of worship that inform not only what happens on Sunday, but actually inform the individual practices of our life throughout the rest of the week. So liturgical worship is kind of words, prayers that we share in together um, in corporate worship, but also influence our individual worship of God throughout the rest of the week. So why is it, do you think, that uh, like throughout the entire history of the church, we've kind of tended to practice our worship in, in certain patterns and, and do things the same way over and over again? What, it is, what is it about that that appeals to us? Yeah, I think well, we're ritual beings. We're you know this is a discipleship podcast, and so discipleship isn't being innovative. Discipleship is is if you look at like growth and learning theory, uh, we learn by repetition. You know how do children learn? What do you do when you teach children? You teach them through repetition, through memory, and um, you know even cooking. And you know if you think of like. You know, there are liturgies that are all around us. There are cultural liturgies. There's habits that form us, getting up, brushing your teeth in the morning, uh, patterns of, you know, prayer together as a family. Like, we're already doing liturgy. And so um, thinking of how how what we do in worship forms and shapes us is, is kind of, it's, it's kind of opening our eyes to see how do the patterns and the habits that we do regularly as a church, but also as individuals, how do those form and shape us into the Christians that we are? So how did liturgy find, or did it find you, or did you go looking for it? You talk about how when you were planting this non-denominational church, you slowly sort of started implementing some liturgical uh, practices in your worship, but like, why was it that you... Like, did somebody introduce those to you, or did you go looking for them? No, yeah. Um, You know, one of the things I've identified, and actually I've done research around this, and so, um, you know, I think this recovery of liturgy and tradition is, uh, it's happening across the denominations in North America right now. It's happening among Pentecostals, it's happening among Free Church, Baptists, um, it's happening among in the Latino, African-American communities. It's really fascinating. Um, and I, I think it's a, I, I think it resembles um, a, a spiritual renewal movement that's happening in our day to recover roots. I think it's something that, uh, that the Holy Spirit is actually involved in this because we live in such a rootless world. And, um, you know, people have no, for discipleship, you have to have roots to be formed and shaped. And, and so, um, the pattern of renewal that I've identified, and this is in answer to your question, how how did I discover this or did it discover me is, um, you know, there's books on this, like Robert Weber in the eighties wrote a book called evangelicals on the Canterbury trail where he shares his own story. And this has been documented as a movement that's been happening for 40 years in the United States. And my book, Ever Ancient, Ever New, really kind of looks at kind of the grassroots level of this 
is a movement that's happening among young people today. It's a continuation in many ways. And a lot of these young people haven't read a lot of these early authors. They have no idea who they are. And so for me, it begins with, I'll, I'll give you the pattern of renewal, and you could test that or we could maybe press into that a little bit more. But what I've identified is it begins with the dissatisfaction with the current state of the modern church. So I've interviewed young people, older people that have embraced liturgy. It all begins with there's something missing. Um, there's just something deficit. What is, you know, and it's, and it's connected to formation, spiritual formation and discipleship is what I would say ultimately. Um, so there's a dissatisfaction with the current that Something's missing in the modern church that the church has failed in some area. And again, I think it boils down to formation. Well, secondly, that leads to a rediscovery of church history. So a lot of times people start with the great revivals. They're like, well, maybe maybe I can find whatever's missing um, by reading the pages of maybe if I read my own denominational history, maybe if I read the great revivals of the great awakenings. And so, well, that's not enough. Um, just reading about history is just like, you know, that's not enough. The third area is it's kind of like opening a treasure chest or climbing up into your grandparents' attic and finding this chest that's full of treasures. And so picture opening the treasure chest of church history, and these people begin to, the third thing is begin to say, can I actually use what's in this treasure box? Can I actually draw from the treasure chest of church history? So um, scholars call this a retrieval, a resourcement. And so um, evangelicals begin to actually take from this treasure chest. And the result of that, it's not a denial of the evangelical foundations. It's not a denial of Jesus or the Holy Spirit or the Bible, but it's a, it's a higher synthesis. It's an embrace of the full embodiment of the Christian faith. Um, so, so for me, uh, that was my own story. I, I, there was this growing dissatisfaction. I began to look to church history and I began to ask the questions. As I began to read, I discovered like the daily office. I discovered these ancient practices. I discovered rhythmic worship the Lord's Supper, the power of, uh, you know, the, the beauty and the richness of celebrating the Lord's Supper each week and coming to the Lord's table and how we're formed around that table. And I began to retrieve, I began to draw from that treasure chest. And the result in my own life and what I've identified in the life of many others is that it's not a rejection of the evangelical heritage, but it's it's a renewal, it's a revival of sorts by embracing a higher synthesis. One of the things, my, my parents grew up Lutheran, and uh, one of the things that uh, that they always tell me, uh, having grown up AG myself, is that uh, they really have a, a deeper appreciation for the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, than yep. what we tend to have typically in the Assemblies of God. It's kind of a... a we definitely have more of the memorial side of the uh, the service, and so they yeah. they have this deeper understanding of what the Lord's Supper means than than what we had. And for them, I think that was kind of a a just a a sign of that transition from uh, more of a, a high church approach to things into this different Pentecostal world that wasn't so much high church. What yep. kind, did you face any kind of issues or struggles moving from a non 
liturgical yeah. worship practice into the liturgical worship service? Um, well, yeah, we led our church into it. Um, you know, it started with my own personal journey. Our church kind of went there. Um, you know, what I would say is, and there's a whole chapter on this, on Pentecostal charismatics looking to liturgy, is that in many ways, the Lord's Supper, it, you're moving from a um, kind of a memorial view of the table to a, a, a view of the means of grace as the real presence. And what that means is it's not a Catholic transubstantiation. It's it's a view that God is here with us in the in, in as we pray and invite the Holy Spirit. Um, there's this charismatic event that's happening at the Lord's table, and in many ways, I think Pentecostal charismatics are primed to embrace liturgy and sacraments in a way that's deeper and fuller and has richer meaning. And so for me. Um, you know, the embrace of the Lord's Supper every week, the sacramentality of that is, uh, I believe that Christ is with us, you know, in a very real way, in the same way that Christ is with us when we pray in an altar or anoint people with oil. Why wouldn't we believe that Christ would be with us in a very real sense, in a spiritual sense, as we come to do what he has said, to do this in remembrance of me? Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the things that draws me to these practices so much. In fact, here in town, we had a Pentecostal liturgical church as a church plant that sort of sprung up. And, um, it, it was literally like 45 minutes away from my house. So I'd never got in, it didn't become our, uh, our, our yeah. church home, but, um, I, I attended it once or twice and it was a lot of fun. They had some practices that I, that I didn't quite jive with, like, uh, when they took, uh, you know, communion. It was very individualistic. It was sort of come and get your stuff and then go to the corner of the room. And, and I'm like, wait, 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 I think this is sort of missing uh, yeah. the, the, the community yeah. aspect of it. But, but they had, they were trying to incorporate these uh, much more contemplative and a lot of these practices into their worship service because for, and this is what drew me to it was that it sort of, it gives concrete feet to our journey with Christ. And that yes. so much of what I find that's sort of wrong in my own tradition or what's lacking is that it makes it, it's very spiritual, almost Gnostic, that it's yeah. just, it takes place somewhere deep in my heart or in my head. And at the very least abstract, and you just, you don't understand, like, the description that other people have of the experience isn't necessarily what your description would be, and so you're left kind of wondering, am I really doing this? That's right. And yeah. so, like, this idea, though, that... uh Christ comes and he is right there with us, I think makes it, well, we'll I'm going to jump way ahead. You know, it starts getting into the story a lot more. And, and, and so yeah. it's, it's like, I'm living out this history, this story with Christ, even today. Like yep. the things that happen in the Bible aren't just things that happened 2000 years ago, but he continues to walk with us and I continue to live out this story uh, yeah. today, right now. If you're like me and Chris, at times you feel like something has been missing from the way we live the Christian life. I believe when we feel this, we're looking for roots. We're looking for depth and richness in the Christian life that we just don't get from the way things are now. We're looking for discipleship. The problem is that what we experience as discipleship today doesn't always feel very rich. If you feel like this, I want to challenge you to take a look at the traditions the church has been practicing for 2,000 years. I can tell you from personal experience that there's a richness and depth of discipleship that comes when you participate in something Christians have been doing for thousands of years.
Winfield's book, Ever Ancient, Ever New, is a great place to start looking into these traditions. And you can pick up your copy by clicking the link in the show notes. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Winfield and his work, check out winfieldbevins.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Winfield explains why liturgy is almost unavoidable. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.